Chapter Twenty Three of A Dash for a Throne by Arthur W. Marchmont. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Carolyn. Chapter Twenty Three: The Pursuit. Will you cease to resist if my men leave you? Asked the officer after I had been quiet some time. Yes, but I shall hold you responsible for the consequences of this detention of me and they may be heavy and serious i replied i am only acting under orders was his answer and he signed to the men to withdraw again i am sorry you have compelled me to resort to force it was not my wish how long will major gessler be it is impossible to say he may return in five minutes or in five hours i can have no idea he knew that i was coming obviously for i was told to expect you and detain you when you arrived told to lay a trap for me you mean he made no reply did your instructions include the unwarrantable attack i heard being made upon my companion my instructions were to detain you and i must really leave all explanations to my superior then i wish you'd leave the room as well i retorted curtly and to my surprise he took me at my word and went out immediately giving a command in a tone loud enough to reach me that the men stationed outside the door were to remain there as soon as i was alone i resolved to escape by the window i got up and stole softly to it it was shuttered but the fastenings were on the inside and as i tried them gently and slowly i found they were easy to release but i knew the men outside the door would be on the alert and that the least noise i made would bring them in i sat down again therefore and began to make a noisy clatter with some of the furniture i banged the door of the big stove upset a couple of chairs and threw down some things from the table as i stooped to pick them up one of the men put his head in at the door well what the devil do you want i cried with an angry scowl i thought you called sir he answered that's a ready lie my man you came because you heard a noise that was the noise and i picked up a chair and threw it across the room at the door just hand it back will you he picked it up and placed it near the door and went out and i heard him mutter something to his companion about my being a queer sort i slipped to the window then and not being afraid of making a noise i unfastened the shutters to find the catch of the window and was in the act of undoing that when i heard steps approaching the door across the hall in a moment i replaced the shutters slipped back to my chair and was yawning heavily when the door was opened and the officer came in they report to me that you have been making some disturbance here he said shortly 
I will, therefore, leave a man in the room with you. I cursed the clumsiness of my ruse, which had thus frustrated the chance of my escape. "'I decline to submit to such an indignity, sir,' I said angrily. "'I will have no jailer here.' But my protest, like everything else with this wooden idiot, passed unheeded, and one of the men was told to stand by the door inside. For a moment I was in despair. My first thought was to try and bribe him, but I abandoned the idea as readily, for I saw that if I failed he would report the attempt to the officer, and I should be in a worse plight than ever. Yet the thought that time was flying, and von Nauheim getting farther and farther away with Minna, while I was condemned to this helpless inactivity, was like hell to me. Then a last and desperate scheme suggested itself to me. The room was lightened by an oil-lamp, and my thought was to try and extinguish it, and escape in the consequent confusion and darkness. I knew now that in a moment I could open the window. Keeping up my character for eccentricity, I jumped to my feet so suddenly that the man started and grasped his weapon, and, declaring that I was cold, though the evening was stifling and my rage made me as hot as a fever patient, I began to stamp up and down the room, taking care at first to keep well away from the window, lest he should suspect my object. Next I declared that the lamp smelled vilely, and I set it down near the stove, and opened the little door that the fumes might escape up the flue. My next step was to whip the cover off the table and throw it around my shoulders. The man kept his eyes steadily on me, obviously regarding me as more than half insane, but he made no attempt to interfere with me, and I continued my monotonous march backward and forward, backward and forward, until I noticed that his vigilant watch was gradually being relaxed. Then I altered my direction slightly, until each turn took me nearer and nearer to the window, and at last I prepared to make my effort. "'Turn that lamp down a bit. It stinks,' I said, with a vigorous grimace of disgust, and without in the least suspecting any intention, he went to do it. For a moment his back was toward me, and at that instant I snatched the cloth from my shoulders and threw it with all my force at the lamp, enveloping both it and the man as he was bending over it, to do as I had requested. He shouted lustily for help, but there were a few seconds of darkness before anyone could reach me, and I tore back the shutters, opened the window, leapt out, and dashed away through the darkness at top speed, running in zigzag fashion for the cover of some shrubbery about fifty yards distant. 
before i reached the cover i heard the sounds of great commotion in the house and a number of men started out in pursuit of me but i plunged through the bushes at as great a speed as possible the noise i made would i knew render pursuit an easy matter and thus when i gained a small clearing i changed my direction and raced across the lawn taking my chance of where i was going fortune favoured me and i came upon a boundary wall over which i climbed dropping breathless and excited but free into a deep dry ditch by the side of a lane i lay down to regain my breath and to listen for any further signs of pursuit as well as to think out my next step i had escaped but what use to make of my freedom i could not for a moment tell presently i heard the sound of a horse cantering on the turf by the side of the lane and looking up cautiously i saw by the light of the moon which was shining brilliantly a man riding toward me as he came closer i recognized to my infinite pleasure that it was the corsican praga i scrambled out of the ditch and stood up to wait for him calling to him when he was some twenty yards away he reined up and jumped from his horse i told him my experiences with that dolt of an officer in the house and he told me that he was just riding back to see what had become of me and that he had news it is great news he said when they tried to get at me i galloped off and in the village i stumbled against an old munich acquaintance who is here over his business and was just coming back from a start he had made with major gessler he told me something of what had happened here to-day it seems that that brute von nauheim got wind that something was going to happen which he didn't like i suppose it was your coming and he bolted with the countess minna and her aunt at that gessler seems to have thought treachery was in the wind and that you were in some way connected with it these officers are always fools especially when some one tells them about half the truth and he set out after the runaways and left orders that if he did come you were to be kept i was coming back to try if i couldn't find you and perhaps get you out of the house so that we might start in pursuit on our own account where has von nauheim gone does any one know i asked yes the major's on their track i think they are supposed to have taken the south road von nauheim's object being apparently to strike the railway when some miles out and presumably get out of bavaria as soon as possible i have no horse i said you had better give me yours and then try to get one and follow me as soon as you can i am on fire i cannot wait it's not much of a beast and very tired but it may serve till you can get a better said praga make for wal first and then try to find some traces and leave word for me where i am to follow 
i think i can find your horse he followed me out of the place and i tethered him up somewhere about here i mounted and after a few more hurried words from him about the direction to be taken i clapped my heels into the horse's ribs and set off at a pace that was as near a gallop as the tired brute could imitate the clattering of the beast's hoofs on the rough uneven road woke the echoes around me as i dashed forward filled with the one consuming thought of rescuing minna from the hands of the dastard who had carried her off from me i found to my dismay however that my horse was quite incapable of any great effort and soon began to show signs of fatigue i had to ease him constantly and after a few miles i could not urge him beyond a rather slow trot to get another horse appeared difficult and i did not pass any place that even offered a hope of one my progress was thus irritatingly slow and every mile i covered seemed to detract from rather than to add to the chances of my overtaking von nauheim i had no difficulty however in tracing the fugitives major gessler in company with three other men had passed scarcely two hours ahead of me and as they had made inquiries all along the route they had left a broad trail easy enough for me to follow if they were on the right track it was certain that i was after riding for a couple of hours at this slow pace i saw a mile or two ahead of me the lights of a small town and in the hope of being able to get a fresh mount there i urged on my shambling steed to the utmost of his powers but he was quite used up and as i was forcing him down a slight hill i felt him stagger and stumble under me and then down he went in a heap throwing me clear off him i could not afford to waste time over him and as soon as i had managed to drag him to his feet i tied his head to a tree by the wayside and set out to finish the remaining distance to the town on foot i had not walked more than a few hundred yards however when i discovered that the fall from the horse had shaken me considerably i turned dizzy and reeled and staggered as i walked i kept on as long as i could but at last despite my burning impatience to get forward i was compelled to sit down by the roadside and rest until the feeling passed off how long i sat there i don't know but i think that for a short time i must have lost consciousness the rest refreshed me however and feeling almost myself again i jumped to my feet quickly eager to resume my journey as i did so i was startled by a low cry like an exclamation of fear from some one close to me and by the moon's light i made out the darkly dressed figure of a woman some twenty or thirty paces ahead i had been sitting in the shadow of an overhanging tree and no doubt my sudden appearance had frightened her 
she stood looking at me irresolutely and when i commenced to walk toward her she turned and sped away on the grass by the roadside noiselessly in the hope no doubt that i had not seen her obviously she wished to avoid me she was nothing to me and as i had no wish to add to her fright i let her go and merely watched her as she ran i had no other feeling but curiosity tempered with regret that all unwittingly i had been the means of frightening her she had nearly passed out of sight when i heard her cry out again this time a louder and shriller cry and i thought i saw her trip and fall i went after her then as quickly as i could and found her kneeling on the ground moaning with her hands to her head are you hurt i asked i am afraid i frightened you i trust i stopped in amazement for she turned her face quickly to me and the next instant i was down by her side with my arm around her it was minna herself oh hans is it really you i am so frightened save me and without another word she let her head sink on my shoulder while she twined her arms around me in quite hysterical fear hush my child you are safe now i said gently in the soothing tone one might use to a child who had hurt itself and i held her in my arms in silence my heart too full for words as indeed hers was with mingled fear relief and agitation where are you hurt minna i asked after a time let's see if i cannot help you don't leave me pray don't leave me she whispered clinging to me more tightly than ever i shall be better in a moment now i am safe i was running away from you i was frightened when you jumped up suddenly in the road and i fell and hurt my head don't leave me i want to realize that i am really really safe don't doubt that none can hurt you now i would have added many a passionate protestation in my excitement but i checked myself remembering all that i had yet to tell her i let a longer interval pass before i spoke again for though i was burning with impatience to learn how she came to be in this way alone on the road and to take means to get her to some place of safety i could not resist the thrilling delight of feeling her arms about me and her head nestling confidingly against my breast the mere touch of her was an ecstasy of passion let me see your hurt minna i whispered we have a long journey before us at that she started and began to tremble again and said her lips faltering as the words fell from them i had forgotten i had forgotten everything when i felt your arms around me but he will follow us we must hurry on where can i go to escape him you mean von nauheim i asked my face frowning at thought of him 
oh there is so much to tell and to ask what does it all mean hans i am not much hurt it is here and she put her hand to her forehead which was bleeding slightly i struck it against a stone when i tripped and fell i think and to think i was running from you of all the world i could not answer the tenderness of her tone or the love that breathed in every syllable of the words if i had tried the passion that was pent in me must have come rushing out i sought to affect indifference therefore and though my fingers trembled as i touched her face and my heart ached at the sight of the little wound i dressed it in silence and bound it up with my handkerchief she smiled to me several times as i did this and when i had finished she murmured lifting her eyes to mine it will soon be well now you have touched it cousin and she sighed but the next instant she started and a look of fear showed on her face i can hear the sounds of a horse at full gallop i have been hearing nothing else in imagination for the last two hours but this time it is real she spoke very wildly i listened intently but could hear nothing it is only imagination still i replied and if it were real it would mean nothing listen and she put up her finger and strained her ears she was right she had caught the sound before me but now i could distinguish the beat of hoofs in the far distance i hear it now which way is the sound from i asked she began to tremble and clung to me again it is from that way pointing in the direction from which i had come i listened again and again found she was right good i exclaimed it will be praga he is following me praga the villain who killed gustav oh hans it is true then that you are in league with that terrible man i would not believe it when they told me and she moved away from me as she spoke and stood at a little distance trembling but it was only for an instant i had no time to reply before she came again to my side and clung to me as before crying with quick agitation i did not mean that cousin hans i did not mean anything in distrust of you i trust you altogether with my whole heart and soul if he is with you i know it will be not that you help him to do harm but that he helps you to do good i know that believe and forgive me for shrinking away like that but i have always had such a dread and loathing at his mere name for dear gustav's sake oh there is so much to be made clear it will all be clear enough to you when i have told you my story i said in as unmoved a tone as i could command at this fresh proof of her absolute confidence and that will be as soon as we can get out of our present plight even praga has been wronged and in this matter at least he is with us 
after that we stood in silence listening to the now fast approaching gallop of the horse then came to our ears the whinnying of another horse the galloping stopped the horse was pulled up short what does that mean asked minna in a whisper of alarm for all sounds breathed the language of danger in her present agitation i left my horse tied to the hedge some distance behind there and praga has found it i expect almost directly after that minna started again and cried there is another horseman coming from the opposite direction that will be count von nauheim it is luck that praga is close at hand then said i for i have no arms it will be a dramatic meeting and now minna was pressing close to my side again and in this way we stood and listened to the more distant horseman's approach and heard also the man i judged to be praga bring his animal back on the hard road and set off at a sharp trot toward us End of chapter twenty three